It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax, and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to monday.com. My business used to be weighed down by the complexities of in-person payments. Then, Stripe Tap to Pay on iPhone came along and changed everything. With Stripe, I streamlined my payment process effortlessly. No more juggling different methods. Just a simple tap on my iPhone and transactions are complete. What's truly remarkable is how Stripe caters to all my customers' preferences. Whether they're using cards, Apple Pay, or other digital wallets, Stripe ensures a smooth checkout experience every time. Setting up Stripe was a breeze, taking just minutes to get up and running. From local markets to global retailers, Stripe helped me expand my reach and grow my business with ease. To learn how Tap to Pay on iPhone and Stripe can help grow your revenue and reach, visit stripe.com slash tap iPhone. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to DDNS Labs Games. My name is Patrick Beja, and we're going to be talking about video games with Scott Johnson. How's it going, Scott? Hey, I feel like we haven't talked in a while. It's uh, good to be here. Excited to talk about said games and and hopefully uh, people will come away going, oh, man, there's things in here I didn't know. Hopefully. Or better, yeah, better yet, there'll be games they want to play, I guess. That, that I think we can convince a couple of people of playing some of the games we're going to be talking about. Uh, it's been a couple of months since we did the last episode, so let's remind people what we do. Um, it's an addition to the DTNS stable of uh, shows, specifically in the labs, experimental shows. And uh, we try to cover the gaming industry in a very... Um, uh, I don't want to say casual, but I, we're expecting the DTNS audience to be less interested in the very detailed uh, nitty-gritty of uh, the way we might talk about games in our respective uh, game-specific shows. So here we give you an overview of what's important to know if you're following the gaming industry a little bit from afar with, um, let's say, a meddling interest, but not uh, if you're not specifically a hardcore gamer. Uh, you you will still get the info you need. So that's the way we approach this here show. That's and right. we're going to be we're going to be talking about uh, God of War, which is kind of uh, impossible to avoid. Um, we can't not wait. We can't not talk about it. Double negative. That works, right? It means we yeah, have to no, talk about. Oh, it does. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> Um, Nintendo Labo a little bit, uh, Red Dead Redemption 2, and a bunch of other things. Um, and let's start with actually God of War, which we just got the news today that it is the fastest selling uh, PlayStation 4 exclusive game ever. It has outshone a number of other games. And it's not surprising because it came out to a fanfare of reviews and high scores. And uh, it is kind of already a, a game that is being discussed for 
game of the year and possibly game of the generation every generation there's a game that kind of defines it i think it's a little bit early to have these kinds of talks uh, especially with this one we'll have to wait and see how it plays out over uh, the year and how we remember it after a few months and the frenzy has passed but certainly it is a game like you rarely see in this industry in that it got universal acclaim i think the the least uh, acclaim thing I've seen about it is people saying it's uh, quote-unquote just excellent it's you know it's not the best game in the world it's only a fantastic game and that's it and that's high praise Uh, you've been I finished it Uh, you've and we're not going to spoil anything obviously but you've been playing it as well what what do you think about this is it uh, does it earn its uh, high praise it absolutely does this is a a franchise that was on the wane a little bit Um, people were sort of uh, great with early versions of this game. One and two were were amazing for their time, and three was certainly a, a, a nice achievement on on the PS3. But I think people were, um, you know, outside of its portal portable modes and seeing Kratos show up in other people's games and things here and there. I think they were hankering for something new, or at the very least, a break from Kratos and his his uh, his destruction of all the gods. I think I think we had been through that enough. And I don't think anybody was really thinking about how good or great this would be. Now, E3 presentations for the last couple of years have been very strong. It made a lot of people go, oh, this is not the same as the previous versions of this game. There's something more going on here. So lots of really good buzz from that. But I think the game actually had to get into reviewers' hands, have that uh, embargo lift, and and have that praise flow out for these sales numbers to be what they are. Because, like I say, otherwise this was a a character and and a world and a game series that was not necessarily on anybody's like hot must have radar anymore. Well, it was and certainly ever, you know? Yeah. I mean, it, it's still, it's a high pedigree for the game. It was one of the main uh, uh, titles and series for the PlayStation two and PlayStation three eras. But as you said, what this game has done incredibly well is renew the, um, the, the, the core of the game and take it out of that. Uh, I always say it was kind of adolescent. It was a mm-hmm. lot of uh, angry cradles, killing lots of things in a very violent manner. And then um, laying with women in that who, who, Oh, I'm, I'm 14 and I'm seeing naked ladies on the PlayStation. It's, it's kind of racy and, uh, and it completely, and it, it's actually kind of appalling when you look at it from here now. Um, yeah. but it's completely got out of that mold, kept what was making God of War, God of War, uh, the core of the game, and uh, wrapped it into something a lot more modern, both in uh, storytelling and in game design. And it's uh, usually what I say about it is that it does nothing incredibly innovative, uh, like you might reference Breath of the Wild or Dark Souls as games that have elements of them that are groundbreaking for the industry from a design standpoint this one doesn't quite do any of that even though the uh, weapon that it creates the leviathan axe is probably one of the best feeling weapons in any game ever Um, oh yeah in the history of video game weapons it's up there in my top three there's no question absolutely 
Yeah. Um, but it does. But this game does everything perfectly and just a little bit better. You know, there are lots of games that do something incredibly well, but then fall short uh, significantly in other ways. This one, I don't think, you know, it, it's not perfect, obviously, but it has, uh, I don't think it falls short significantly in any way. It just does everything so well that everything, you, you, it's very hard to find um, uh, something to fault it with. And that's really rare. Yeah, it's a it's an execution thing that's perfect here. It's not they didn't invent a new way to play. They didn't invent uh, new mechanics that completely upend what we think about gaming or anything like that. Plenty of games do that, and and they should be commended for that. But this game took uh, familiar elements that have worked uh, for a while in a lot of different ways, whether it be narrative or mechanical, whatever. But put them in a package and executed on that package in such a way that it it feels like one of the more polished finished smartest uh well paced experiences i've ever had and i'm not done yet i had to leave town and and um i've I've missed all my gameplay time i'm about to get back to it but uh even being however many uh, four or five hours i am into the thing um it's already i mean if there's a game of the year vote right now this is it yeah this is the game it's i think it's but you know this is it for me it's certainly in the in the running i've i'm 30 or 40 hours in and i'm still playing i've seen the credits maybe i don't know five ten hours of gameplay ago and i'm still playing there's stuff to do uh the pacing you're talking about is absolutely on point it is it it's never too much it's never too little in everything it does so it finds that perfect balance in everything in storytelling in battles in exploration in puzzles it's it's on point in everything so it's certainly a game that is worth looking at even if you're not a big uh, gamer if you do enjoy a game here and there this one should be on your list for uh, potential buys for the year i'm i'm oh without doubt without a doubt and it's a it's a reason it's actually a reason to own a playstation console i, I think, think so, yeah. i think it's one of those games that if you've never you know gone for it or you're a pc exclusive kind of person or something uh this is <laughs> this is a, a great reason to do it and you're not going to see this on other platforms, at least not in the foreseeable future. So I would, I would absolutely play this thing if you, if you consider yourself a gamer who enjoys uh, really strong storytelling and great character stuff and technically having that all meshed together in a way that just feels like, I don't know, it just feels like just like the most pro product I've played in so yeah. long. It's fantastic. It's really, really good. People should uh, play it. By the way, by way of comparison, the previous record holder was Uncharted 4, A Thief's End, which sold, uh, let's see, that was back in May of 2016. That sold 2.7 million units worldwide. And Horizon Zero Dawn was the biggest debut in the history of Guerrilla Games with 2.6 million right. copies during its free two, two weeks. But this God of War game uh, from a venerable series and one of the coolest characters ever. I mean, I don't care who you are. That's <laughs> That was true before this game. Uh, now they've really taken him to a place that I am, I am completely sold on. So I guess well done, Sony. And uh, the Santa Monica studio just killed this. Uh, I love everything about it. Cannot wait to see what they do with it next, either via DLC <laughs> or more games down the road. It's amazing. Yeah. Uh, 3.1 million is the number for this one. That is uh, up from the previous uh, sequel that was, as you said, uh, Uncharted 4. Horizon is on the list as well because it's the first debut, uh, the, the first original, uh, I mean, the biggest uh, original launch. Right, which is a big thing. I wonder what the biggest exclusive of all time is. Was it like a Halo 3? You mean on on any game? On any console? Any console in the last, let's say, 10 years. I wonder what that is. I'd be very curious, and I don't think we have that number, but 
Um, I wonder where this compares to, to some of that. But anyway, it's a, the hell of a thing. Great, great journey. Incredible game. Nintendo Labo has also come out since we last uh, spoke, and uh, I'm I'm not gonna get it, but we did uh, get a feeling of uh, basically how it was being reviewed, how people talked about it, and I think it's safe to say that it's not lighting the world on fire. It's certainly enjoyable, and some people are are definitely enjoying it, especially with their uh, their children. If you don't remember, Nintendo Labo is that cardboard uh, construction set that you use the console, the Nintendo Switch with, and make different toys uh, with. And uh, you have very interesting interactions between the toys, the cardboard toys, and the console. And uh, it's it's a fun experience, but... I I think some people were predicting that it might be what takes uh, Nintendo to a place that the Wii took them uh, with motion gaming a few years ago. I think it's safe to say at this point that it's not going to be that. It's just a fun addition to the Switch lineup for those who want to have that experience. Yeah, I mean, um, well, first of all, when I Labo launched and everybody was getting their stuff their pre-orders and stuff. My first, one of my first thoughts was, what do all my gaming buddies think about this? And I assumed in my head that this is not a Patrick project, a thing that he would want. <laughs> Um, well, my my, my my son is a little bit too young. He's three. Uh, wait, three and a half months old. So yeah. it's it's not yet. But I think no, if he yeah. was he if was, he was a bit was older, five, maybe I would have. Yeah, uh, if he was five, maybe six years old, you'd be in heaven right now because there'd mm-hmm. be this dad son project that was actually fun, and 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 you'd find <laughs> a way to, to to make that work. But as opposed to all the dad son projects we have currently that are not so fun, which involve a lot of excrement. If you see what I mean. Yeah, a lot of poop building. I got it. But but in my uh, in my estimation, this thing is popular enough to have a good enough sales for them to consider continuing to do it. But it's also kind of a weird sale. It's a hard sale. You're 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 really it's it's a hard thing to describe. It's hard to let people kind of know. If you're sort of already in the maker mindset, then you probably gravitate toward this easily. If you're not, then this may seem just like weird. Like what? It's cardboard and there's a game component. Like how does this work? Like I think it's a weird thing. I am so glad they're doing it. I don't have any interest to spend four hours and build that robot with the strings on it and all that, which is the average of what takes people to finish that thing. I know others like the piano and other stuff take less. It's not for me at this stage of my life at all, but I am so glad they make a thing like this. I think this is a great use of that hardware, and I don't want them not to do it, but I'm not their audience, I don't think. I think it's a fairly uh, good way of describing it. It's not for me, but I'm glad it exists. And yeah. uh, and I would echo that uh, that sentiment. They seem to have given a lot of thought and care to it, and that's maybe what matters most. So mm-hmm. I, I say well done to them. And, and hopefully the sales numbers uh, reflect it and it, and, and it and it did well for them because it is a risky, weird, freaking thing. So I hope it worked out. Um, the other thing we wanted to talk about is the one game that scares everyone this year. It's uh, Red Dead Redemption, tr- Re- <laughs> Red Dead Redemption Two, which just uh, released its third trailer, which we're going to talk about in just a second. Um, but I did want to mention that uh, it, it really. As well, as I said, it does scare everyone. It's going to be released. Uh, what is it? Uh, I'm October not sure anymore. 20, October 20 something, 28th right. or something. It's like right before Halloween. And as you know, right before BlizzCon. So that kind of sucks. But uh, <laughs> yes, very end of October. 
And uh, and the thing is, every publisher is trying to put put out their big games uh, before. Yeah, it's October the twenty sixth, and you have a slew of games coming out in uh, in September. <laughs> Things like uh, Dragon Quest Eleven, Spider Man, uh, Tomb Raider. They're all before uh, <laughs> Red Dead Redemption Two. That's understandable. But um, so I was a little bit worried after I saw the second trailer for Red Dead Redemption Two. I'm curious what you thought of this one. Um, okay, so I was all I'm all in all the time. It was my game of the generation, last generation of consoles. Uh, I, uh, yeah, I, and I, for, for for those who don't know, sorry, I'm just gonna uh, cut you fine. cut cut in for a second. Uh, it's basically Cowboy the game, um, and yeah. it's a <laughs> it is a, a Rockstar Studio game, so it's very open world. Well, well, usually they are. It's the people who do GTA. So this is this is Grand Theft Auto in the West. More yes. or less, more or less. 1800s Old West, uh, cowboys, horses, uh, you know, bank robberies, all that business uh, is is kind of what the, the point is. And I'm a huge Western fan. I love Western movies. I love Western uh, novels. I like all that kind of stuff. I love the Old West as a as a thing. I think it's America's only mythology. You guys have all kinds of rad mythology in Europe and other places that go back thousands of years. We don't, but we have the Old West that we have completely mythologized, and I love it. So... Uh, needless to say, I'm very excited about this. And the only reason I'm hesitant to say God of War is my game of the year is because I haven't played this yet because I have a feeling <laughs> this may be a real close contender, if not the winner. But I don't really know. I, I have a lot of faith in Rockstar. They make nothing but great games as far as I'm concerned. Um, even if they aren't your, your cup of tea, there's uh, rarely any question about you know how well they do or you know the popularity or any of that. They've proven themselves. And Red Dead 1 was amazing. Red Dead 2 looks really good, uh, visually nice. All the upgrades you'd expect for this current generation of graphics hardware. Uh, really would like a PC version. I think this one will get that. Um, I think they've made too much money on GTA and GTA Online uh, with PCs to ignore that. That's an audience that they'll definitely tap into. They just aren't going to right out of the gate. But anyway, all that being said, um, I'd be afraid of it too if I were these other companies. Like that is a, a genuine, uh, genuine. I'm like it's now I'm in the old west. It's a genuine <laughs> blockbuster, and that thing is going to just tear everybody a new hole if they try to release around it. It's a bit like having a Star Wars movie or a Marvel movie open when you're trying to get your your fun little indie film out. So I, I don't I don't blame all of that. In terms of the trailer, um, I mean I'm not as as excited as I am and as pro Red Dead as I am. This may surprise some. I think it looks – it's all just bits of story and, and some storytelling and character faces and things like this. So it's not its not really a complete look at what the entire game is going to be. But it does feel a little bit like a GTA V mod at this point. Um, and by that, I just mean the surface level stuff. Not talking gameplay, not talking how big that world is or how invested I'm going to be. But just these cutscenes. It may as well be Trevor trying to get meth out of – you know, that part of California and get it over into San Andreas. And, you know, like there's just kind of a, that sense to me, that feeling. And it's probably because it is Rockstar and it is a game that the same people who made GTA and GTA 5 are making. So it's not that weird to feel this way. But that was my general impression. There's nothing about this third trailer that, that really pushed things too much further for me. I mean, I'm already 100% in, so there's not much they could have done, but. Um, That's interesting because yeah. I felt – so what I thought was a little bit lacking in the previous ones we've seen was the, the, the dramatic uh, uh, 
nature of the storytelling, which I didn't didn't really get through to me. And in this one, it did. It really did. It felt like the the, the story had weight. Uh, and we don't know anything about specifically about the story, but the moments, the scenes, the dialogue, it landed on me a lot better than it did before. So it kind of because those games there are many ways to play them but one of the ways is to really follow the story and play it like a narrative adventure and maybe do a little bit of the open world stuff here and there but not necessarily focus on it too much and uh, that's how i enjoy playing them because i mostly like narrative uh, games most of the time and this one this trailer seemed to indicate that I would be getting something that I could sink my teeth into. So I'm a little bit less, not that, you know, you're never worried about a Rockstar game, but I let's say I'm less uh, uh, concerned that maybe it's not going to be for me. Now I'm back in, kind of. So um, for, me, for me, it's just that there's never, they can't do anything with a trailer that will dissuade me from getting it. Right. Uh, right. <laughs> it, it's just that th there was nothing here that I didn't already expect them to be able to be good at. You know what right. I mean? Like, so so and I there, there was nothing to... that made you want it more than you already want it hugely a lot. Yeah, which is already at the maximum. The, the right. meter shows I'm at full red. So it's <laughs> I'm at full red dead. Sorry, that's the color. But I'm very excited about it, and I cannot freaking wait. And I don't like to be uh, dragged along and teased so often. But these this date will hold. There's a lot of people out there going, Man, we'll see. They skipped the last one. No, they gave general windows and then moved those windows. They didn't have exact dates yet. This is the no, no, first it's coming out. It's coming out this October. That's yeah, we're getting it. There's no question in my mind that we're getting it in October. So everyone, I think, just needs to, to calm down and knock it off. The best games are the ones they sometimes go back in the oven for a bit for a little extra cooking. Yeah. I have no problem I mean, with that. Maybe they're going to push it a week or two or something like that. But it's coming, you know, before the end of the year, absolutely. And 99% chance it's coming out in October. It's yeah. already been pushed, what, a year? So, yeah. Yeah, year, year, year and some months, maybe. Because it was originally, uh, no, I think it was last year that it was supposed to come out, but something, um, something like that. It was pushed twice at least. They're one of those companies that it just doesn't matter. They'll release it and it will print money, and, yeah. <laughs> and we'll all play it, and it's going to be great. And I, I feel like they're making it for me, so I'm pretty, pretty jazzed. Oh, that's so sweet of them. Yeah. Um, Sony just announced that they are adding PlayStation Two games to their PlayStation Now service. Uh, that's really interesting. The PlayStation Now service is the one that uh, lets you play games streaming, meaning uh, you get the streaming video, and you only need basically a controller and a PC or a PlayStation, obviously, uh, PlayStation 4 mainly, but uh, it means you can access their entire library of games for 15 bucks a month if you take the three months plan. Um, and there are 600 games available. The PlayStation 2 games they just added are not the most incredible ones. I'm guessing they're testing it right now, but um, it's getting to be a pretty interesting service i think uh, we, you know let's not have the discussion again about whether or not the streaming side of it the technical side of it can uh, work because it highly depends on your internet connection but now you're getting games from three generations of playstation i'm guessing they're going to add playstation one games at some point as well um it seems like a universal library of PlayStation. It's a pretty cool service, especially if you can play uh, on PC as well, which you can. Yeah, for me, for me, it is down to that technology. I wish it was 
I wish I had other options like download it and play it sort of stuff. And I realize why mm. they don't. And there's, there's a breadth of weird hardware over the Sony years that you just, you know, if you're going to replicate that, you got to put hardware in PlayStation 4s that does that specifically. It's not just simple emulation anymore. Um, so I understand why they do it this way. And if that technology works and is seamless, then it's no problem. And one day this is, you know, this is going to be just no big deal. It'll just be the way you play games probably. I don't know. But I think I still kind of prefer, and this is someone who doesn't own an Xbox One, I like their backwards compatibility plan a little better. Um, if you own it, you play it. And they keep introducing new ones. They seem to be dedicated to making sure that happens. They've introduced original Xbox games as well as 360 games and uh, all the downloadables, things you already own, things you didn't own you can get. And then their all-you-can-eat plan, uh, kind of Netflix-style plan for uh, first-party titles is super compelling. So, Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready to get 30, ready to get 20, 20, 20, ready to get 20, 20, ready to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. My business used to be weighed down by the complexities of in-person payments. Then Stripe tap to pay on iPhone came along and changed everything. With Stripe, I streamlined my payment process effortlessly. No more juggling different methods. Just a simple tap on my iPhone and transactions are complete. What's truly remarkable is how Stripe caters to all my customers' preferences. Whether they're using cards, Apple Pay, or other digital wallets, Stripe ensures a smooth checkout experience every time. Setting up Stripe was a breeze, taking just minutes to get up and running. From local markets to global retailers... Stripe helped me expand my reach and grow my business with ease. To learn how Tap to Pay on iPhone and Stripe can help grow your revenue and reach, visit stripe.com slash tap iPhone. The Claude 3 model family from Anthropic is your one-stop shop for enterprise AI. With models at every point on the price-performance curve, you no longer have to make trade-offs between intelligence, speed, and cost. Claude 3 Opus sets new industry benchmarks for intelligence, Sonnet, strikes the perfect balance between skills and speed, and Haiku is the fastest and lowest cost model in the market, perfectly designed for high-volume, high-speed use cases. Join the thousands of enterprises who trust Anthropic to keep them at the frontier. Visit anthropic.com slash Claude today. This is the one area where I feel like Microsoft has really got some good ideas on how to best compete with Sony's online offerings. And and so if I end up with a an Xbox One X this year, which is possible right around Red Dead time, uh, <laughs> then uh, then we'll see because those services are a little bit more compelling to me. And really, in, th- in this particular case, if Sony was saying, "We'll just play whatever," here's the service. It's a subscription. I, I would I would I think I would go for it if it wasn't for the fact that this is all streamed and I don't mm. I can't count on internet. Well, I think- so. I think you might you might want to try it. You know, they have a seven days free trial on the PlayStation One service. I think you might want to try it before you knock it because I suspect it might work better than you expect. Um, I also wish that Sony and Microsoft, but let's say Sony in particular, Sony's now got a slew of services that are pay services, and they all got weird names: PlayStation Now, PlayStation Go, PlayStation This, PlayStation That, and View, and you know whatever. It'd be cool. If there was a big catch-all 
give me everything single price. Mm, well, that single price would be very expensive. I'm not sure which services there are. They don't have. Uh, I mean, they sell music and and TV shows and films. I don't know what PlayStation Go is. Um, <laughs> I may have made that one up. I right. There's PlayStation up. View. That I know. It's basically so TV. There's View, it's only there's, the view there's Plus. So View Plus. Oh, View Plus PSN. Now. Right. Yeah, view yeah, Plus yeah. and Now. Yeah. And then you got PSN, just the basic one that lets you play online. That's just the core one you pay for. Yeah, which is so basically just, Plus. So Yeah. It's just like having like, I don't know. It's just... Mm. It's getting to be a, a few too many, in my opinion. I just think you consolidate some of that, and maybe people would buy it more if it was like, for 80 you get the whole package per month or something. Like, 80 I might per do, month? Do Jeez, wow. I, okay. I might do that. You, I mean, I, You're a little bit more uh, wealthy than I thought you were. No, no like I'm, I'm probably doing... 80 a month to play, play old PlayStation 2 games. Scott, I am no, shocked. No, I'm saying, like, if you give me PlayStation View, which is currently like thirty nine ninety nine a month or whatever it is... Uh, uh, you give me plus. You give me um, uh, the go, uh, not go the other thing. Whatever it is. Now, <laughs> see, this is the other problem. Is all these names? You give me all that stuff for some small or whatever the total is is just slightly less than you'd pay for them separately. Just make my life less chaotic mm. and fair enough. Fair enough. Yeah, that's all. Um, but anyway, so PlayStation Two games now added to PlayStation Now. If it's your thing, then it probably is even more your thing now. Um, Oculus Go has been announced and basically released. It's getting really good VR, uh, VR, really good reviews and pretty good VR. Um, so for, uh, I'm sure that everyone knows in the audience, it's the autonomous, uh, VR headset from Facebook, well, from Oculus. You don't need a phone. You don't need to connect it to a PC or a console. It just works as a standalone VR headset. It's getting pretty good reviews, as I said. We're not going to get into all of the um, technical aspects of it, but just curious, Scott, what do you think that does for games? Do VR games get a boost from this headset, or does it not do much for gaming? This could be... And I know some people hate this term. This could be an iPhone moment for this technology. And by that, I mean a device that so fundamentally changes how we do a thing that that from then on, it just sparks innovation after innovation after innovation. And I think this could be it. Uh, A tethered to a PC thing is great. There's fidelity there, but it's also a giant pain in the ass every time you turn the thing on. Um, The idea of popping it on your head and going is extremely uh, exciting. The price is right. 199 bucks for the core unit. If you want double the memory, you pay another 50 bucks. I have, to the point that this was complete impulse for me, I picked one up. Business expense, but, you know, whatever. It'll be here tomorrow. Um, that's nice, right? Don't have to wait. Here it comes. going to be here tomorrow. Now, whether or not this stuff holds up, whether or not the some of the limitations on this hardware are so glaring to me that I'll be like, oh, you know, until this gets better, I can't buy in. But I do feel like there's a chance here for this to be that little that little founding moment of, oh, okay. One day we went from uh, trios and freaking Blackberries, but then there were touchscreens, and then there was the, and then the whole thing changed. The whole game changed. This could be that. It's potential. I don't know. I mean, untethering alone may not be enough. Not having to use your phone and there may not be enough. I don't know. But I just have this feeling, Patrick. And I feel like <laughs> this is something big. 
And it may well, not be Oculus in the long run that ends up benefiting most from this, but I feel like this is an important point. I certainly, I mean, that is what I've been saying for a while, and I stand by it. I think it is absolutely good enough to to uh, potentially change the way we view VR, uh, and I've been looking for ways to get it as well. I think we can order it in Europe, and I'm I'm looking for the best way, but I, I will um, try to get it. But for games, I'm not sure it's going to be uh, the device that really brings games into VR. Um, mm-hmm. I think it might be the same kind of deal as uh, phones are, which some people are in love with some of the games, but a lot of most of the hardcore gamers just look at it as, oh, there's also this, and it's fun enough, but it's not the thing that convinces me to spend all my time in it. But um, yeah, well, well, I just, I'm just not sure it's going to be it, it, the VR gaming just needs a little bit more time uh, in the oven, as you to to repeat the expression you used earlier. And I'm not sure this is exactly what's going to be changing it immediately. Um, mm-hmm. So we'll see. But I think it's not designed for that. It's designed for different kinds of VR experiences. Games will be available as well, and I'm sure some of them are going to be fun, but it's a more rounded VR experience than a gaming VR experience. Yeah, and that's, I think that's actually what I'm kind of looking for. Um, I don't, mm-hmm. and, and when it comes to games, I'm perfectly fine with lower... I don't need like you know realistic skin and polygonal environments and stuff to have a meaningful presence in a VR world. I'm okay with some of the, you know, more low poly kind of experiences. In fact, some of my more favorite ones on the Vive are that. The ones where they they go more stylized and they don't have to spend too much on, you know, trying to make it feel like I'm in a real forest. Like that's not the point. You can create sort of presence in worlds that can be abstract or whatever. So so I actually I actually am excited about that just generally because I think that designers are are getting more comfortable with that and not trying to push the technical envelope. But secondly, I do want a device where I can lay back in my bed and watch Netflix without taking that thing off and not mm. crank my neck to look at a, a tablet or a phone or, or a TV or whatever. <laughs> I, there's, there's, there's a couple of use cases that I'm actually really excited about, and that's one of them. Um, so, I mean, part of it is the price is so stupid low compared to any other option outside of Gear VR, but that inquir- requires a phone. And that's, you know, you, you got to count that cost in there. So, you know, this that's where this is rubber meets the road for me. It may not be the perfect thing. It may not push gaming much further. Like, uh, there's a lot of questions about all of that. But it's good VR at a price that's finally super affordable. So, Agreed. Yeah, I'm in. Um, let's skip over the financial results really quickly. Uh, I mean, I'll just mention that basically everyone's doing super well. Uh, Nintendo saw a 500% increase year over year on their profit, on their, uh, operating profit, which is not too surprising because the Wii U was on its last legs, uh, very (laughs) short legs, um, last year. And obviously the Switch has been the explosive success that we know about and love. So that is uh, a great news for Nintendo, but not very surprising. Sony continues to do incredibly well, specifically thanks to its uh, PlayStation uh, uh, division. So the the PlayStation is really strong, and that is not surprising at all. Uh, Microsoft is also doing pretty well, even though they are lagging behind uh, Sony significantly this generation. Uh, they're doing well, and they're selling more uh, year over year. They're selling more. 
Xbox consoles, and uh, they're doing okay in that division as well. So basically, all's good in the gaming industry, basically, for, for the manufacturers at least. Um, it's interesting to note all of this in the generation that has come after the uh, spelling of Doom for consoles, because many tech journalists thought... Oh, well, smartphones are everything now, so gaming consoles are dead. Well, guess what? They really, really aren't, and that's good news for gamers. They're not even close. Like, it's a... Oh, it's the best generation. Well, maybe not the best generation, but close to the best generation we've ever seen, at least in terms of We are definitely having kind of a a renaissance period or or maybe the golden age or something. I don't know what to call it. And then, you know, no one really knows to call this stuff until it's over. (laughs) So who knows until we hit either a dip or another great hype. But it does feel like a great time to be a gamer in lots of ways. I mean, the games we talked about today alone, God of War It feels alone. like a ga- great time to be a con- gaming console manufacturer. That's what it feels like. Yeah, which it's, and that maybe is a little surprising because, mm. you know, gloom and doom to consoles for so long. Oh, they're going to get replaced by small set-top boxes. Or, oh, mm-hmm. you know, there's always some reason why that stuff was going away and, and it should count its count as lucky stars that it still exists or whatever and yet here we are and the companies have been competitive and you know there's a lot of reasons to to buy one versus the other or both and uh and not to mention the switch being this really strong contender it's just an awesome great time for that stuff plus indies the way indies can make games now like i honestly (laughs) there's been a better time for gaming i don't believe you i'd kick you in the teeth and say you're a liar That's a bit harsh, but uh, I think I agree with the sentiment. Um, Well, and to uh, round up the show, we do have to talk about E3 just a little bit. E3 is coming up in about a month, a little bit over a month. It is um, the big gaming conference of the year. Everyone is announcing their big things at E3. It's the uh, basically the, the the Burning Man festival for gamers. It's uh, uh, the the fiesta for everyone, and it's the moment that everyone is waiting for. Um, I don't know if the Burning Man uh, analogy is uh, <laughs> works, but I'm going with it. And I think we're going to be talking about this a lot more in the in the coming weeks and in June. But the one thing that we can say already is that uh, we are seeing an incredible amount of Battle Royale mode uh, uh, games that are being announced and uh, uh, developed. And we knew it was going to come uh, PlayerUnknown's Battleground, which was released last year, was such a huge success. And Fortnite, which uh, pivoted to Battle Royale mode, uh, was such a huge success after PUBG, and it still is now a huge success. It kind of is almost eclipsing uh, PlayerUnknown's Battleground. But so we knew it was going to come. But that much, I think it. We're, we're still in the middle of it, but I think it might be. Un- unprecedented in the way that a genre is taking over the industry because we're seeing um, basically everyone has a battle royale mode in their game. Uh, Call of Duty uh, or th- those are rumors but still you have uh, Call of Duty you have Battlefield, you have actually Red Dead Redemption is rumored to have a battle royale mode and that's just the big ones. Everyone else is also doing it. So um, it, it does uh, create a lot of questions about can a battle royale mode live as just a mode? And if it's not the main game, uh, what does that do to the mode? Is it too few people? Is it? It's just a lot of questions. But I think um, I I'm not sure I've seen a genre take over the industry so quickly um, as this one. 
No, the closest to analog I can think of is is uh, recently anyway would be uh, MOBAs, and they're they're coming. But that took a few years. Yeah, it's and it and that took. I mean, gosh, how long did that take? It took. Well, I mean, League of Legends came out in like two thousand eight, two thousand nine, and it, it really became popular right. in twenty twelve, twenty thirteen. It took a long while. It, you're right. It didn't quite. It wasn't quite as 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 immediate as this other stuff. I, I totally agree with that. Also. Um, if I had to compare it to something else, it might be, you know, the doom era of shooters and, and how that pretty much changed the, the landscape and shooters became a thing that would never go away. But as far as something that kind of came out of nowhere, uh, was a mod here and there, but no big deal. And then just completely enveloped the industry in a way that is like seismic. I can't think of anything, especially mm. the part that's crazy about this story. And there's going to be <clears throat> a book or something about this one day, I swear. <clears throat> but Fortnite. The game that was announced forever ago and when then was delayed. Now we don't know sure what it is. Okay, we've changed our mind on what it is. Okay, now it's delayed again. Like this game that nobody was caring about at all. It's on nobody's radar. And then they convert the thing in a month to be, you know, to hop onto this to this uh, this trend. Smartly, by the way. And now it's just like this nine thousand trillion pound gorilla out of nowhere. The game that no one cared about, now everyone cares about. It's crazy to me. The only worry about, I have about the speed of all this or the, 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 the velocity of the growth of that subgenre is it does, when this happens, has the potential to burn out just as quickly. And I'm a little worried about that. Hmm. Uh, we may be able to iterate on it enough to, to really keep it interesting, keep it fresh, uh, whatever. But I worry that four years from now we're having a conversation where we're going to be lamenting Battle Royale and, and its rise and fall. I, I don't know. It's just, again, you know, I get these, Patrick, just little feelings. That's all. <laughs> I think there's a possibility. I mean, the, the, the rise has been so quick, it could burn out, and as you said, relatively quickly. But I also think that the Battle Royale, 100 enter, 1 leaves, has such a potential for different variations and tweaks and finding the one little thing that will make it different enough that it's going to be fun. I think in my um, Pixels show, we talked about this and compared it to racing games. And when everyone was making a racing game, um, you had the space for slight differences that would make one game uh, a, a uh, you know, that would create its fans. You had the Gran Turismo and you had the Wipeout and you had the Burnout and the Need for Speed and all of them were different types of racing games and they all were fun in their, their own right. Um, I'm just seeing now uh, breaking news beep, 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 uh, oh, from a few hours ago. Uh, wow. Battle, You remember Battle Right, that MOBA that didn't quite work out, that is not working out as uh, well as maybe some people had hoped? Um, apparently, Battle Right is getting a uh, Battle Royale mode. So, oh, you know, Battle Royale, it's just 20 players, but still, and uh, it's from a MOBA perspective. So that's an interesting tweak. Um, so we'll see. We'll see how it works out. But uh, I, I think there there is a possibility it will burn out, definitely. There's also a possibility that it will uh, create... You know, I have a tendency of going to it and thinking, well, PUBG... Uh, Fortnite, they're already ginormous. Uh, there's no space for anyone else. And I think that might be a little bit of a jerk reaction that uh, is a little bit uh, unfounded. Maybe there is space for other, maybe smaller, maybe they won't be as successful, but definitely viable for their developers uh, type of uh, Battle Royale mode. So 
Yeah, we'll it'll see. be. I, I mean, that's really what I'm anxious about. These these basic ones are great and all, and 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 it, it'll it'll be on Fortnite to continue its relevance and and build the game out so that people want to keep playing it. But what I'm more excited about is just to see everybody else's take on it because what we really haven't seen yet is what do the people over at um, Dice do? Like they've got an engine that could do this. Like what what's their plan? And we already have some rumors as to that plan. But are they going to do something? And will it be uh, you know do some different things? Uh, could could the uh, the Star Wars game that's has been so up and down in its popularity and controversy and everything could they introduce a mode that would revitalize that franchise, the Battlefront hmm. franchise? Like, there's a lot that could be done, and I still say Blizzard could do a hundred <laughs> junk rats enter, one junk rat leaves. That's it. That's your game. <laughs> I think it could work. I th- I think it would work uh, as a, as a little brawl. It would be funny. Yeah, put it in the arcade. Make it a permanent thing. See how popular it gets. If it goes crazy, you cancel all your other modes and you just <laughs> focus on your hundred man game. There you go. All right. Well, on that note, uh, we're going to end the show. Thank you so much, Scott, for, for being with me once again. It is always a pleasure. Um, would you tell the fine folks listening where they can find your work on the Internet? Sure. Um, there's a lot going on right now. In fact, if people are uh, you like video games, and you're thinking, man, sometimes I just like to sit down and pull out a deck of playing cards and just play poker or, or uh, go fish or something with my friends. Well, good news, everybody. Uh, we're about halfway through it now, but there's a Kickstarter going right now for just that. Uh, custom poker cards, uh, chips, alternate decks, all with artwork by me and other guest artists. And uh, it's a goal I've had since I was a little kid to make one of these, and I'm finally doing it. So if you are interested in such things, head on over to uh, frogpants.com slash cards, and you can learn all about it. For everything else, you can find me and my ramblings on Twitter at Scott Johnson. And for me, it's not Patrick on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, everywhere. And uh, you can also find my shows at frenchspin.com, one of which is Pixels. It's easy to find on your podcast app as well, actually. You can just type Pixels, find it, and subscribe. And it's a general gaming show. And uh, we do it every couple of weeks. And uh, you might enjoy it. So go check that out. And if you don't, we will talk to you again in about a month for the next episode. I don't know if we're going to do it before or right after. E3. It might be fun to do predictions and then results or something like that. We'll see. We'll see what happens. Um, But we'll be back in about a month, as I said. Thanks so much for listening and uh, have an excellent DTNS rest of the month. Bye. Bye. This show is part of the Frog Pants Network. Get more at frogpants.com. Diamond Club hopes you have enjoyed this program. <laughs> hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. Hi, this is Matt. And Sean. From Two Black Guys. With good credit. If you own or operate a business, whether it's a local operation or a global corporation... Partnering with Bank of America could be your smartest move. 
By teaming with Bank of America, you'll enjoy exclusive digital tools, award-winning insights, and business solutions so powerful, you'll make every move matter. Position your business to capitalize on opportunity in a moment's notice. Visit bankofamerica.com slash bankingforbusiness to learn more. What would you like the power to do? Bank of America, N.A., copyright 2024.